Welcome to the MK Perspective. This is a podcast where three missionary kids talk about missionary kid-related stuff. Daniel, Sean, and Taylor all grew up in East Africa in the homes of church-planning missionary families, and all three share the same burden for ministry in East Africa. Having grown up in a different culture than their parents, and having been involved in ministry both in East Africa and the United States, the guys are equipped to share a unique perspective on missionary kid life, missions work, and ministry in general. Join the conversation now on today's episode of The MK Perspective. Welcome and Kariboni Sana Katika this episode of The MK Perspective. I am really excited to be back. It has been a few weeks. Uh, Daniel, say hi. Hello, everyone. Back on here today. And Daniel is a married man now. Amen. <laughs> and where are you right now? I am currently back here in Kenya. I'm in the, we're living here in the town of Thika, uh, which is about 30 odd minutes away from our ministry here. Uh, but yeah, excited to be back. Excited to be back on this podcast once again. Are you moved into like your new home and everything? We uh, got an apartment uh, really on a temporary basis. Uh, in several months, we plan to turn for a deputation there in the States. So that's the tentative plan at this point. That's awesome. Uh, we'll have to talk about more about like how your wedding went and everything. Uh, uh-huh. I was actually there for that with Elizabeth, and we had a great time. It's great to see you and Mary there in Kenya. But uh, we'll have to say that for another podcast and kind of catch up as far as that goes. Today, we're really excited. We have a, I guess you might say, our first special guest on our uh, podcast, and that is Daniel's older brother, Aaron. So I want to let Daniel go ahead and introduce Aaron, maybe say one or two things about him, and then let Aaron introduce himself, and then we'll get into our topic for today. So go ahead, Daniel. Absolutely. Really a pleasure to have Aaron with us. Uh, he is the my older brother of us uh, in the house growing up. Uh, people think that, you know, maybe we fought and stuff, but we actually didn't too much. <laughs> so we're very different people, uh, but we do both have the same uh, really burden for seeing Kenya gospel. And so Aaron's going to share a unique perspective and burden that the Lord's laid on his in this podcast, but yeah, great, great, uh, great to have Aaron with us today. Awesome. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Aaron. Of course, we've already introduced you, so you've had two introductions, but go ahead and give your introduction of yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Sean and Daniel, for inviting me onto this podcast. I didn't know I was the first special guest, but that's quite an honor. Um, as Daniel said, I'm uh, his older brother and um, brother-in-law to his new wife. Um, nice. And uh, I don't know. I'm just a preacher. I'm just a you know, simple preacher of the gospel. I love to preach and um, just have a burden for seeing Kenya reached. And um, hopefully I'll be able to communicate a little bit more of my desire today, um, my passion, my vision, what God's shown me and what's God what God's exciting my heart about in the upcoming days and weeks and months and years. So glad to be here. 
Amen. And uh, with that, kind of want to go ahead and jump into what, uh, some questions I have for you. Um, you are kind of focused, you're kind of focused right now in your ministry moving forward is on unreached people groups. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So you are a preacher, you're preparing for ministry, you're focusing on unreached people groups. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that's your focus? Okay, so I guess my story started back in um, 2019. 2019 was really quite a special year, but um, um, we were meeting together for several prayer meetings, for revival prayer meetings. And I remember during those prayer meetings that God really just stirred my heart in a very unusual way. I can't remember ever being stirred this way before about regions in Kenya, particularly where churches were not being started, that the gospel had not yet gone. And I remember just pouring out my heart to God about those kind of things. And then I went back to the States to Baptist College Ministry in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, um, for seminary. And I took a class there called World Harvest Fields. And Pastor Mark Gilmore, the missions pastor there at Falls Baptist Church, really just put into our heart just a deep burden for unreached people groups and for reaching out to um, people groups. A people group is basically a group of people um, that identifies, uh, you know, as their own people group. You know, they kind of have their own language. They usually have their own, you know, culture, their own customs, sometimes um, their own religion and stuff. So they kind of think of themselves as a unit. And so that's what a people group is. You could call it a tribe. You could call it a, um, you know, a nation. But usually, usually you call it a people group. And an unreached people group is basically, you know, someone or, or a group of people that haven't really been impacted with the gospel. They don't really have, you know, a church planting movement or, you know, any sort of gospel outreach within that people group. And the only way that they're they're able to have access to the gospel is through outside witness, another person from another people group coming into that culture and giving them the gospel. So unreached people groups, there's quite a number of unreached people groups across the world. And um, Pastor Mark Gilmore just really put that burden, that reality in our minds. Um, and it's stuck there um, ever since. And so... Um, really fascinated with unreached people groups and particularly in East Africa and Kenya, where I grew up and where I've lived all my life. So, yeah. yeah I have a great. question about something you said there. You mentioned the word access to the gospel. So an un, uh, what would constitute an unreached people group is a people group, a culture, a language that doesn't even have access to the gospel like if someone wanted to learn about jesus and the bible and god they would not even be able to because there is no gospel access in their people group is that right yeah it's specifically among members of their people group like the majority of the people group is you know anti-gospel you know unsaved um either irreligious or of another religion and so there's no people within that people group that you know or no church within that people group that's evangelizing wow 
So there are unreached people groups in the country of Kenya. When I think of East Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, I tend to think, you know, there's quite a bit of churches. There's quite a bit of places that are reached with the gospel. I forget sometimes that there are unreached people groups in even a country like Kenya. Is there a specific people group that you've studied or that you're aware of that is in Kenya that needs somebody to go and bring the gospel to them? Um, there's several, actually. Um, the biggest one by far would be the Somalis in Kenya from the neighboring country of Somalia. And um, according to estimates, there's about two and a half million Somalis um, scattered across Kenya, a large population in Nairobi, the capital city, but then um, several hundreds thousand in some of the um, refugee camps uh, in Kenya. So there's quite a number of Somalis and uh, statistics say that they're 99% follow Islam and only a small percentage are Christian, very small percentage, less than 1%. You may not know the answer to this quick question. Um, So speaking of Somalis and Somalia, would it be very difficult for a self-professed christian missionary to go and live in the country of somalia like if i wanted to be a missionary in somalia it would be pretty difficult for me to do that right yeah i think it's actually um impossible if you want like illegal like it's actually it's a closed country and so as far as i understand you would have to go in either as you know another you know another profession like a teacher or something like that and even then that's very difficult to do Right. So, yeah, it's a very closed country. So when it comes to Somalis living in Kenya, you know, perhaps if someone were to go, then maybe some of them could go back and reach their own country for Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the goal of evangelizing unreached people groups, not necessarily to evangelize, you know, the whole group yourself and reach the group yourself, but to find that person of peace, you know, that key person, that key contact and, you know, Build from there, build off him, his family, his own immediate circle, begin a church, and then seek, hopefully he will catch that vision to spread the gospel, to go back to his own people, to reach out to strangers in his community that, you know, he's still associated in that community um, with the gospel. So that that's- makes a lot of sense. So that would be kind of like what the pattern we see in the New Testament is, right? Maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you study the Apostle Paul and just the way he did missions. Um, he didn't, he was never a pastor as far as we can tell. And that's very interesting. He, he never stayed anywhere for longer than I think two years was about the longest that he stayed in one place. And the whole time he was just, you know, evangelizing, getting the gospel to, you know, key people. And you read about some of these key people in the Bible, like Lydia and the Philippian jailer. They were key people in Philippi. And, Aquila and Priscilla. Yeah, Aquila and Priscilla. Um, others, you know, maybe Alexander. Um, so you have the Apostle Paul, you know, training those people and then those people reaching out to other areas to their own um 
their own region. If you read the book of First Thessalonians, you find that Paul tells them, you received the word, and then from you sounded out throughout all the region of Macedonia, the gospel. And so it's obvious that Paul trained them and they were the ones that were doing the evangelization of the rest of their region while Paul moved on. So that brings up a really interesting point. And I just have a question about that. Um, Oh, you know, maybe this is the case. Maybe this isn't the case, but I feel like a lot of missionaries in the past have taken it upon themselves like it's their responsibility to evangelize or to be the key person in Mm -hmm. the starting of a new ministry or to like reach an area or to, you know, continue a a church. And there isn't much focus placed on training national leaderships in the context of their culture so that they are the ones that are starting the work and they are independent from any outside source except for perhaps the word of God, the teaching of the word of God. Uh, And I think it's really important that we pay attention to that biblical model of training people where they're at. And I think that's what I'm hearing you saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's only one model missionary in the Bible, if you think about it, and that's, you know, Jesus who trained, you know, okay, there's, so there's two, you have Jesus, um, he came, he trained 12 disciples and then he left and he left them to do the work. All right. Paul went in, he would train. And then after a few months or a year or maybe two and, you know, at the most two years, he would come in and then he would leave. And so those two missionary models are the only ones that we really have. And it's, you know, dangerous for us to think that we have a better system yeah absolutely you can't really go wrong following paul and jesus yeah amen but in order to actually follow them you have to get into the word of god for yourself and study their patterns what they taught follow their example see a lot of people will say oh yeah i'm following this or that you know biblical pattern example but they don't really have a biblical reason or they're not able to explain biblically what what they're doing and why they're doing it so um well that gives me hope when i think about unreached people groups because you think about the number of unreached people groups you know there's a lot there's a, a few in kenya there's plenty of unreached people groups in Africa as a whole and then not to mention the entire world and it can be overwhelming to think how are we going to reach all of these unreached people groups because it is our mission that is what uh, we should be doing as church members you know figuring out how to reach all the world and it becomes overwhelming you think well it's an impossible task well actually it's completely possible as long as we follow the bible and as we are doing it right so Go ahead. I, mean, on me. I, would, I would say that it's not just possible, but it's guaranteed according to the Bible. You know, the very Bible that, you know, we study about missions guarantees the success of missions. If you read um, Revelation chapter number five and chapter number seven, the Bible says that there are people from every nation, tongue, um, kindred and language, I forget 
you know, there's four categories, people at the throne, every yeah. nation, every tribe, every language is going to be represented at the throne. John sees them there in the vision. And I think God, one of the main reasons that God stuck those verses, there's two verses that indicate that in Revelation 5 and, not, and 5 and 7, is that to give us hope, to give us that confidence that, you know, we're, our mission is not going to end in failure, okay? We might look around and think, oh, there's just so much work to be done. But at the end of the age, we're going to succeed. We're going to win. And that gives me hope. That gives us confidence that the work that I'm about to set out to do and the work that any missionary is going to set out to do, if, you know, with God's help, is going to be accomplished. Amen. And that's exciting. Amen. It is exciting. And to think that we get to be a small part mm-hmm. of the most important task of our age, the most important work that could ever take place, and that mm-hmm. is bringing the gospel to those who have never heard, those who don't even have access to it. Yeah. Um, what would a, what would somebody do if they are praying about or considering uh, becoming a missionary to an unreached people group? What would what would their first thoughts be in that direction well um that's a loaded question and it is a lot that we could say obviously he has to be prepared himself um he has to have some sort of training you know bible training so that he's not going out ignorant um he has to be a man of prayer or a woman of prayer um, and bible study a man who's, you know, dying to self, who has no real interest in preserving his own life, who's, you know, willing to lay everything on the altar, who's surrendered to God. Um, a man who's um, living a lifestyle of spirit sensitivity and obedience. I think that's so important. You know, um, the book of Acts that God gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey him. And, you know, this kind this work of, any missions is any, you know, missionary needs the Holy Spirit, but someone who's going to an unreached people group definitely needs it like even more. And so he has to be living that lifestyle of obedience or else, you know, he's going to grief the spirit away and the spirit's not going to be present and actively empowering his ministry. Um, so those are some like personal preparation that he, ha- you know, I feel like that's, you know, absolutely necessary real quick before you go on all of those things i remember and i recall reading that those are characteristics of a disciple of the lord jesus christ Mm -hmm. is that fair if a disciple of the lord jesus christ is all of those things then that means if you are a disciple of the lord jesus christ you are a candidate for Mm -hmm. going to an unreached people group exactly fair to say Yes, that was that's very fair to say. Um, Jesus told his apostles, you know, his disciples, pray, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send laborers. And in the very next verses, he was sending them out. And so, you know, that person who's in prayer, who's, you know, following Jesus, he may be the most likely candidate, you know, the most likely person that Jesus is going to call to send, you know, and send to that 
harvest field that's ripe and just waiting for laborers. So, Amen. What if there is a, let me just bring this kind of back into the context of where and how we live today. Um, okay, so let's say I'm a missionary kid and I grew up in my parents' home and mm-hmm. I sense the Lord's leading in my life to perhaps go and dedicate my life to reaching the unreached. Um, I've dedicated my life to him, let's say. Maybe I surrendered in a church service or maybe just in my own personal Bible study. I surrendered to the Lord and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll go do it. I'll go reach, you know, an unreached people group. And I'm looking towards the future and I'm thinking, okay, where do I start? I'm about to leave the house, let's say, and I'm thinking about Bible college and thinking about what to do next. Uh, What does a missionary kid do who wants to prepare for unreached people group ministry? Um, there's There's several things that come to mind. One thing I would say is if you're not sure about where you're supposed to go, you know, stay in the word, keep praying, keep seeking God about it. Um, but consider your own upbringing. Like if you're a missionary kid in Kenya, for example, Good um, example. or China or India <laughs> or England or whatever, and you grew up in that culture, you know the language of that culture, you understand the people. I would say give that country that you grew up in first priority. And if hmm. God shuts the door, if God you know, closes that opportunity off, if God burdens you about um, another country, a neighboring country, or even a country across the world, then by all means, go for that. But there, God, nothing happens by accident. And God puts missionary kids in a particular missionary family for a reason. Yes. And that reason may be that he wants that missionary kid to continue on the work that his parents started. Now, that's not true for all missionary kids. I understand some kids are called back to the U.S. or to their parents' home country, and some kids are called to other people's, you know, other people groups, out, you know, another people group, another country. But, you know, unless. God makes it very clear, that very clear, you know, he had you grow up in that culture and learn that language for a reason. So I would give that first priority as far as considering where to go. Amen. And if you are considering, you know, where do I go? I mean, you're already surrendered. You're already sensitive. You already have a desire to (laughs) follow the Lord where he wants you to go. And so if the Lord puts a desire on your heart to stay in your home country. That would be a wonderful thing. You already have an advantage. Mm-hmm. You are accustomed with the language and the culture, and you have kind of that head start of how to live. Just living in a country is a challenge, you know, <laughs> that you're right. not living in. So you're already, you know, a couple steps ahead, perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that is great. Hey guys, thanks for listening to part one of Unreached People Groups with Aaron Simonson. Uh, You might have noticed that we lost Daniel very early in the conversation. His internet had issues and he wasn't able to continue on the call. So uh, it was just me and Aaron and same thing for part two. He never gets back on the call, but me and Aaron have a really good conversation in part two 
where we talk about training and what are some steps that someone could take if they wanted to go to an unreached people group. So I hope you join us for part two of the conversation. Mm -hmm.